Hello, and welcome to the Cybersecurity Awesomeness Podcast, hosted by Enterprise Management Associates, an industry-leading IT analyst research firm that provides deep insights across the full spectrum of IT and data management technologies. The Cybersecurity Awesomeness Podcast will take a deep dive into the security topics that are top of mind for information security practitioners, IT professionals, and technology business leaders. Join security experts Chris Steffen, VP of Research at EMA, and Ken Buckler, Research Analyst at EMA, for some truly awesome topics. Chris and Ken, take it away. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the Cybersecurity Awesomeness Podcast. I am your host. My name is Chris Steffen. Joining me today is my friend and colleague, Mr. Ken Buckler, as well as a special guest, Mr. Richard Rebin from Linford and Company. He's going to introduce himself here in a moment. But today we're going to talk a little bit about CMMC. And if you haven't heard about this, the federal government, specifically the DOD, released guidance at the end of December, literally over the Christmas break for most people, of how the CMMC guidance is going to apply to most companies. Not really unexpected, but the timing was very, very suspect, and it's going to have an impact on a lot of people, a lot of companies downstream, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. First, I wanted to give Richard a chance to introduce himself. Richard, go ahead. Yeah, thanks, Chris and Ken. Uh, my name is Richard Reben. I'm a partner with Linford & Company. I'm uh, Linford & Company is a CPA firm that specializes in information security audits and assessments. Now, personally, I'm an IT guy turned cybersecurity auditor about 10 years ago. I joined the dark side. Uh, and I focus largely on high trust, SOC 2, as well as CMMC and NIST assessments, as well as FedRAMP within Linford & Company. I have mostly a technical background, but these days I'm focusing more on cybersecurity audits and assessments. That's how I got started too. I long time tech weenie got started and got a CISA and CISSP and went to the dark side and, and did the audit world for a while too, just because I didn't have a choice. We were in a financial services company and ended up doing that. And that's actually how I met Richard's boss, Newell Linford. He was actually one of the first auditors that came and helped me get through some of our regulatory audits that we needed to have. And so contacted Newell, Newell recommended Richard, and that's why we're here today. They're not paying for this. They're just experts in the field. And I wanted to make certain that whenever possible, we bring in experts to talk about some of this great stuff. So Richard, thanks for being here today. Really appreciate it. Talk to me about the guidance. Talk to me about CMMC. Why should people care? Why was this kind of weird to start with? And we'll kind of go from there. Yeah. So first of all, let me address my my declaration there of considering me an expert on the topic of CMMC. Well, first of all, there aren't too many people out there that are truly experts on CMMC because CMMC is a continually evolving thing. And I'm not either, and... by the way. I want to be very, very clear about that. <laughs> I, I, I take and hang my shingle out for compliance-related things on a daily basis, but I am by no means a CMMC expert. I just know enough to talk to people who know more than me. Exactly. So let's really get into what CMMC is, and then we'll kind of talk about the history of CMMC briefly. So CMMC is really just an assessment methodology. You know, we think about the various requirements that contractors in the defense industrial base, or what's called the DIB, are required to comply with. Well, for years, defense contractors doing contracts for the, the DOD have been required to maintain compliance with NIST Special Publication 800-171. Well, and for years, 
organizations have been required to self-assess and demonstrate compliance with the requirements in 800-171. Really, at its root, CMMC is really just an assessment methodology whereby for various levels of assessment, organizations will be required to more fully demonstrate compliance with 800-171 using CMMC as the assessment methodology. And CMMC is going to have three different levels of assessment. So you have one that would qualify, would apply to most organizations in a defense industrial base. Anybody that has a contract with the DOD will be required to comply with level one. Now, level two would be organizations that are going to be handling, storing, or processing controlled unclassified information within the scope of that contract. And then level three will be associated with uh, defense programs that have to do with you know, highly sensitive weapon systems, nuclear propulsion, highly sensitive PII, things like that. So first of all, CMMC is an assessment model for 800-171, and there are different levels of assessment and certification that will be required depending on what an organization does for its customers. So let me stop you there. So a lot of people that are listening to this podcast are likely familiar with the idea of a PCI assessment, PCI DSS. And if you have done PCI before, you know that there are various levels of assessment there from uh, self-attestation to a full-blown audit on a quarterly basis to whatever have you, depending on how many credit card transactions you're doing, whatever have you. The CMMC is kind of the same way, except that you're talking about the levels of security based on the information that you're processing and and how that contract works, so on and so forth. I just wanted to give that level of context to some of the listeners, because I, I think that they're probably more familiar with PCI than CMMC. Yeah, and that's a great point. You know, a lot of people out there are talking about CMMC as it's some revolutionary model. Well, it's really not. Different frameworks and assessment methodologies and regulations have been out there that are doing very similar things. CMMC is just, you know, specifically focused on 800-171, controlled unclassified information, as well as federal contract information uh, within the DOD world. You know, it's the DOD often thinks that it's special and unique, and this is a great example of how they're developing something that really exists elsewhere. They're just applying a different framework and a model to how they're doing the assessments. The example of PCI is an excellent one. You can do a self-assessment for PCI, or you can be required to have a QSA firm come in and perform an assessment of your environment. So at the end of this year, we kind of heard something about CMMC that's got the whole world a little bit aflutter, and it really brought CMMC back in the forefront. Richard, talk to me a little bit about what happened towards the end of this last year. Yeah, so really what happened is the proposed rule that is associated with CMMC and how it's really going to be implemented within the defense industrial base. Uh, We had been expecting it for some time within the industry. First, we thought we might get it before Thanksgiving. Then we thought, oh, maybe we'll get it before Christmas. And then just when everybody had packed up and gone home for the holidays, uh, they went ahead and issued it. So uh, LinkedIn and, and the industry has been all a flutter talking about the changes within the proposed rule. There are some significant changes, but then for the most part, it's relatively what we thought it was going to be. Now, the proposed rule is going through a public comment period where individuals and organizations will be able to provide feedback on that rule. And we expect that the rule will become formal within the next year or so. So really the key that the industry wants to know and what everybody should be thinking about 
is when will RFPs start containing the requirement that organizations be CMMC certified? Now, we don't expect to start seeing that for at least another year. But in the meantime, organizations should be evaluating their compliance with NIST 800-171, and they should be undergoing their own internal assessments, and they should potentially be working with what is called a C3PAO, or an authorized assessor within the CMMC ecosystem to be able to perform an actual assessment to evaluate their own compliance. So cool. The the reality is the sky's not falling yet. It's just finally the guidance is coming out so that people can understand how it's going to come about. I know some of the initial concerns was they dumped the rule on people and now they don't have budget necessarily to deal with this new rule. But what you're basically saying is that the rule is out. Now it's going to go under review. Now people have time in theory, to react, develop a plan, how they're going to address it and deal with it accordingly. Yeah, really. The only thing that organizations are going to be doing that they haven't been required to do before is to undergo the assessment. So now organizations need to be looking at their compliance posture, working with a third party potentially to undergo an assessment and a a real... Think of it as like a validated assessment, a true assessment, because one of the weaknesses that the DOD is attempting to address through the CMMC program is to get rid of the uh, the questionable nature of yeah, self-assessments. Of right. I mean, people, people fill out self-assessments all the time, right? And they're barely as good as the paper that they're written on, right? I get that. I understand having the need to have an assessment. The question that I have as... Um, um, from both sides of the table, as, as a former CIO, also as an assessor, I understand that those assessments don't come for free. And so my, I guess the real question that I'm going to have, and I know that Ken has a couple questions too, at the end of the day, what people need to understand is that your days of doing a self-assessment, even for, it, basically, if you're a level one, you're probably still good, but understand if you're going to become a level two understand what that cost for assessment is going to be, because again, it it doesn't come for free and that's neither here nor there. Everybody understands that, but then it also comes with all the remediation that you're going to be required to do. So this is something that you're going to have to budget for that is going to be a process that's going to continue being a thing in your organization for years to come. Ken, did you have a couple questions? Yeah. So, so, you know, Richard, you know, one of the things that, you know, I'm a former federal contractor, okay, so, and of course, I was always in the the tech side of contracting, so software development, security assessments, what have you, but, you know, something I'm, I'm very curious your thoughts on is what industries do you think are going to be surprised the most by this all of a sudden requirement to do uh, CMMC assessments? You know, I'm because this doesn't apply to just the tech sector. All right. This doesn't apply to just the manufacturing sector. This applies to and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I believe this applies to every single federal contractor all the way down to landscapers, gardeners, what have you. So what industries do you think are going to be the most surprised by this? Well, so the only clarification I'll give there is that really CMMC right now is focused on the defense industrial base. So it's not all federal contracts, it's all DOD contracts. Now, but you are absolutely correct in that the downflow um, will be really impressive because the way that it's intended to be designed is that a prime contractor will be responsible for validating their subcontractor's compliance with CMMC. 
and the 800-171 requirements. So really, I think the most surprising sectors will be service organizations that provide services to primes and subs. So even within our audit portfolio, let me you know rattle off some organizations. Data centers are a great example. Managed service providers, managed security service providers. Um, I also have a couple clients that are in the energy sector. You know, they they design and they support the the energy grid. I also have clients in the critical services sector. It's those downflows that are going to be most surprising to folks. The ones that have really been doing the right thing have been listening and paying attention to 800-171. So they already have 800-171 compliance programs in place. If they're really doing the right thing, they've already undergone third-party audits for 800-171. And now they're just going to be you know, flipping the page and undergoing a CMMC assessment, which is the same requirements, just a different end result. Instead of getting an independent third-party audit report, you're going to be obtaining a CMMC certification at level two, for example. One of the things that I've talked about for years, and if you've listened to this podcast or you've talked to me, I've always mentioned this, is the idea of pass-down compliance. Bob's House of Widgets, which is my favorite pretend company, probably doesn't have a government contract. But they've been making widgets for ABC123, which is a prime government contract. And so now Bob's House of Widgets needs to figure out how they are going to comply with the request from ABC123 company as a subcontractor and how they're going to deal with it. It's probably not a terribly big deal. And again, as you mentioned, Richard, pretty good chance that that prime contractor already understands these requirements and already has looked at their supply chain the requirements that's going to be passed down to their supply chain from the DOD or the government. But it is something that people need to be more aware of. The tentacles of the government, the tentacles of financial services, the tentacles of healthcare, they're very far reaching. And yet this is another example of where it really is going to make a big difference. Yeah. And I think one of the, you know, one of the kickers there, especially for, I think Bob's house of widgets, as you said, the big challenge that Bob's House of Widgets will face is, first of all, they may have been making widgets for 20 years, and they may have never gotten a request or a requirement for this. Now, they might get a request. Someone will say, hey, are you CMMC certified? What's your SPURS score? But then they might turn around and say, well, okay, wait, what's this? What do I need to do? And the key is, for organizations that are considering whether or not this really applies to them, they should be looking at the contracts that they have. Now, if they have contracts directly with the DOD, it's going to be in their contract. If they have a contract through a through a prime as a sub, it really should be in that contract as well. Because whether or not you need to uh, maintain compliance with CMMC depends on the type of data that you have in your environment. So if you have uh, federal contract information or FCI, that's level one. That's a, a specific subset of requirements. If you have controlled unclassified information within the scope of that contract, that's all 110 of the requirements in 800-171, but it should be in your contract. So one of the things that we typically see in the, the landscape of compliance, right, is a, a large organization, maybe a health system, maybe the DOD, maybe you know, a large enterprise organization turns around to all of their suppliers and says, okay, you all have to get PCI. Well, they could have suppliers that 
don't have anything to do with handling cardholder data. And they can't really define a, uh, a CDE in their environment. Well, then how are they supposed to comply with PCI? And this is kind of one of the challenges we need to think about and organizations need to think about within this realm is, okay, if I'm being asked for this, well, then what CUI do I have? What data am I receiving? And in a lot of cases, that should already be identified. And if it's not, and there's any question about that, that should be taken back up through the contracting and acquisition process to be ironed Yeah, out. I actually have a, a, a friend who has a, a locksmithing business here locally. And uh, he does a lot of defense contracting um, because there's a there's an army base here locally, and you know he's already starting to see some of this. He's already starting to see because he's he's a subcontractor. He's already starting to see his his prime contractors reaching out to him, trying to get information about his cybersecurity practices, and he's like, guys, I don't have any federal data at all stored here i don't keep any of that that's all at you i don't keep it so but you know he's 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 reaching out to me and i'm you know trying to help him with it a little bit and and i'm sure that with cmmc he's going to start seeing it even more so so yeah i i think it's the you know and richard tell me your your thoughts on this i think it's the small businesses that are really going to be surprised by this and, and possibly overwhelmed with requests for stuff that they really shouldn't even be getting requests for. Yeah, that's absolutely uh, correct. And the other challenge there is they won't even know how to navigate that conversation. You know, these aren't organizations that are thinking about, you know, non-technical type of providers. If Bob's widget company makes some part that is available both commercially and from a military standpoint, it's very likely that part that they create, if they create it for the public, and supply it as part of some sort of DOD contract or subcontract, it's probably not CUI. But they'll have to go through that process of trying to understand whether or not it is, which is why it's important for organizations to engage with a qualified provider within the CMMC ecosystem, whether it be a C3PAO or an RPO, somebody that can provide that that subject matter expertise to help them navigate that process. Yeah, I think we're going to end it there. I, the, the one thing that I want to leave everybody with is that, you know, the sky is not falling. There is plenty of time to get yourself figured out. But uh, the other thing, and Ken and I have mentioned this a hundred times on our podcast through the years, you can phone a friend. You can take in and reach out to people. Don't think that you have to do this alone. As Richard was kind of saying, nobody is truly an expert at this stuff. Talk to the people who are some of the more knowledgeable people in the industry about it and get some help. It's okay to ask for help trying to understand these, these more difficult requirements, especially if that's not something that you've done before. With that, Richard, thank you for being on the podcast today. Ken, thank you as always. Uh, if you have any other questions, you can always contact Ken and I through LinkedIn or, or whatever have you. Richard, you can always contact him through uh, Linford & Co. They would be happy to help you there as well. And with that, Thanks for listening. Thanks, Chris and Ken, for all your great insights on today's topic. Make your next podcast awesome when you work with EMA security experts Chris Steffen or Ken Buckler. Educate your prospects, differentiate your solution, and add the credibility of a third-party expert to your message. Visit cybersecurityawesomeness.com to listen to past episodes.